We got a jam-packed, very special episode today. Uh, we got breaking news from uh, the University of Michigan. We got the NBA playoffs. We got some Batman news. And we got our very special friend and our sponsor on the show today, uh, Farbar. What's happening, man? Too good. How are you? Good, good. Farbar, what's up, man? Too good, man. How's it going? How's it going? Nice to finally meet you, bro. Thanks for sponsoring the show. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Beards for Radio. Let's dive into it. Go go right ahead, Sasha. All right, well, guys, this is uh, Beards for Radio. I'm Sasha. And I'm Joe. I'm Farbar. Farbar, what's up? There you go. So, we got some big news from uh, U of M, Michigan head head basketball coach uh, John Beeline is headed to the NBA. He's uh, coaching the Keith, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, um, at first I was kind of like taken back, you know. This came out of nowhere. Um, but after watching the combine and seeing what John Beeline had to say, it kind of makes sense for him. You know, the guy is 70-something years old. He said it was my time. You know, I wanted to be in the NBA. It was my time. I felt like – now is a, a better time than ever. I, I really do believe that having his core three players leave to go to the NBA um, uh, solidified a decision for him. He said, we, we already rebuilt twice in Michigan. We were going on to our third. You know, the plans kind of aligned for me. and It was just, just my time to leave. And having John Beeline being probably one of the best, if not the best basketball coaches for U of M since – you know, I've been watching him. You can go back to Fisher and, you know, the title and everything. But I yeah. feel that John Beeline has been the best coach that I've been watching since. So it's it's a heartbreak for, for me seeing him leave. Um, I'm glad what he did to the uh, program. He brought us out of the doldrums to, you know, you, you know, not only make the tournament, but go deep into the tournament, you know. Uh, I almost get a championship two times out of it. You know, it's nothing to scoff at. So um, I'm, I'm glad what Beeline did – for this, um, you know, for for Michigan uh, basketball, um, I, I don't think it's going to fall down around them unless they get a coach quick. We already, I'm already seeing a, a rumor swirl about four-star recruits leaving because you know uh, Beeline's gone. So they're going to get they're going to get someone in there, you know. Someone in there of significance to really make these recruits stay because if they don't, man, I really do see that Michigan's going to go down that rabbit hole. But as for John Beeline, I'm you know I'm happy for the man as a person. That's what he wanted to do. As I'm as a fan of Michigan basketball, I'm kind of like you know where we go next. But I have faith that he has put a nice structure in for this um for this you know uh, Michigan basketball program that they shouldn't fall back down that way. But Let's hope they don't. Everybody's pushing for Jawan Howard to come back uh, or to come back to uh, uh, Ann Arbor. Chris Weber and uh, yeah. Reggie Miller were trying to push the other day on a uh, national TV during the NFL NBA playoffs, which we'll get to later. But I, I'm really curious to see where it goes from there. I'm glad that uh, Beeline is doing what he loves to do. And, you know, I, I, I have no ill will towards the man but I just want to see Michigan basketball still stay relevant because, like we said earlier in other podcasts, I love the rivalry, the in-state rivalry. We finally have an in-state basketball rivalry, and it's a beautiful, healthy thing. Yeah. Um, you know, when I saw the news or I saw the tweet Monday morning, I, I like, 
I really didn't believe it until I saw more people reacting on it. I was like, this has got to be a fake because, um, like, it just kind of came out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying, Farbar? Yeah, I felt like I got, like, punched in the gut. And then it didn't help because <laughs> I, I hate the Cavs, and now I hate the Cavs even more. And when LeBron left, I was like, maybe not. Like, I, like I really didn't care for the Cavs. And then they took John Beeline. Now, like, it's even more of a hatred towards him. The Dan Gilbert, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah. he's been trying, man. He he almost uh, plucked Izzo uh, way back in 2010. He was like that close to getting Tom Izzo down there. So he finally got one of us. I'm I'm kind of glad it was it was not my guy. Um, yeah, you know, I've always had like a, a deep admiration and respect for John Beeline. He's just he's such an authentic guy. Um. I guess, you know, last year he interviewed for the Pistons job and uh, another job. Uh, I forget which one. It might have been the Magic job or something like that. It was. It was the Magic. I think maybe we, like, kind of brushed that aside too quickly. You know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but, like, as soon as he got the new contract, we were like, oh, he was just, he was just uh, you know, trying to play Ward Manual for, for uh, some more guaranteed money. But, you know, I guess he really did have an itch to go to the NBA and – um. Like you said, Sasha, he's uh he's sixty six right now. You know, if you're not gonna go now, you're you're gonna miss the boat. And also this way he doesn't have to face Cassius Winston again next season. So <laughs> Okay. Okay, Joe. So I'm throwing them jabs in there. <laughs> All right. No, uh, but I love John Beeline. Um, you know, we, we just had an episode last week uh with Mike on the show and we were talking about where both Michigan and Michigan State go from here. And we both, we all just kind of, we had no idea Beeline was uh, interviewing for the Cavs job. But, you know, Izzo, um, after after he, like, kind of got running at Michigan State, before Beeline got to Michigan, his record against Michigan was 17-3. and Tom Izzo was. Like, that's, that's not any semblance of a rivalry. So, um, to go, Izzo went 14-9 against Beeline, but out of the last 19, it was almost straight down the middle, like, Beeline won nine, Izzo won ten out of the last nineteen. Like, that's a straight rivalry, and I'm kind of hurt by it. Even though I'm a Michigan State, uh, I'm a, I got Michigan State basketball in my blood. Um, you know, before the they played this season, Beeline, Beeline was talking about how Michigan State and Michigan basketball is kind of taking steps to becoming what Carolina and Duke are, what Kentucky and Louisville were, and like so. From that perspective, it kind of hurts me that he left. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it felt like the when Michigan and Michigan State was facing basketball, the rivalry was like a healthy one. There was no like trash talking. It was just like both teams respected and both teams was playing hard every time the game showed up. And I hope the Cavs be, be a little bit patient with John because they're not really in a yeah. good situation. So if they let him like draft and build well, because he knows how to develop players. And I hope he develops Colin to a really good uh, point guard. But if they become patient with him, I think the Cavs will be in a good situation. But there wasn't even, like, reporting or anything like that was with the Cavs wanting John. Because there was there was thing about hiring – not hiring. There was interviewing uh, Portland's assistants, I believe. And yeah, the news was out of nowhere. Yeah. That's why I, like, did a double – a triple take. You know, I was like, that's got to be a fake. Yeah. 
Yeah. And to piggyback off of, you know, what Farbar just said is that John Beeline's coaching style is geared towards that modern day NBA. You know what I'm saying? It's spread the four, you know, big man in the middle, even the big man can shoot it sometimes. So I, I, I think he, he's in, the, in in that sense, he's going to be pretty good at Cleveland. But, you know, it's a talent that, that's around him. You know, can he elevate that talent around him? You know, like you said, he, he develops players as his, you know, his style is geared towards the NBA. So it's, I'm really curious to see how he does. So, yeah, it's de- definitely um, something to watch. I think yeah. Kevin, Kevin Love and his system will be really good. I think they need yeah. to move uh, Tristan Thompson and do some other things. But they should go full rebuild. I don't know if they're going to trade Kevin Love, but it seems like they might just trade everybody. But I hope they be patient with him and see what happens. Because Dan is yeah. – I feel like – I. I feel like Dan is known for not being patient. He just wants to win. And even, like, with LeBron, like, the way those two was going head-to-head, it didn't seem like it was going to be a good relationship. But we'll see what the Cavs do. I agree. I hope I hope they get some time and they don't just kind of, like, jump ship if things don't look good after a year or two. Because, um, yeah, like, since Beeline has been at Michigan – like, you know, it took them a while to get running. You know, it was like the middle of year four of Beeline, and I remember people talking about his job being on the line. But, yeah, again, like, since he's been at Michigan, like, the strength of almost every single team, aside from this last year's team, uh, was three-point shooting. And where has the league been going ever since the Warriors started taking over? Three-point shooting. So, yeah, I feel like he's really – his system is geared towards – uh towards the NBA right now. And, um, yeah, Sasha, you talked about it. Um, you talked about, like, Jawan Howard being named favorites um, to take over the coaching position. What do you guys um, – what's, what's your, like, ideal guy realistically to take over this job? For me, I'm all in for Jawan Howard. I like the – I think he's probably, like, you know, Eric Sprosho, Pat Riley. And he's a Michigan guy. I'm all in from Chicago. I think he could recruit over there. And yeah. I just think his knowledge of basketball is really underrated. Nobody really, like, talks about that. But, like, for me, I'm all in for Juwan Howard. Like, I'm a huge Eric Spolster fan. Like, Joe knows. Like, I'm all in. Like, Eric Spolster is my guy. And Pat Riley. And, yeah. like, when I, I know you were a Heat fan even before uh, LeBron and Bosch yeah. came. Down. So, when uh, LeBron came into Miami – like, I was kind of – I wanted Amari Stoudemire, but, you know, everybody knows how that turned out. But LeBron came – like, when he was in the Cavs at first, you didn't see him, like, use, like, post moves and all that. Then when he went to Miami, he developed a post move, used, like, footwork. And I want to give a little bit credit to Juwan Howard because I feel like he kind of, like, helped him with his post move because I don't know if anybody in Miami at the time was using post. But – Right. Like, I'm all for Juwan, so – yeah, if for me it's it's it, it's Javon Howard and also that that Shaka Smart in there kind of throws me for it because I, I I'm curious to see what he what he would do. But yeah, I'm I I would like to see Javon because Javon from every level that he's played, he's been a competent player, a smart player. You know what I'm saying? He, he's savvy, uses his IQ. So um, I, I, I feel like that can transition over to, you know, to uh, coaching as well. But, yeah, I mean, like, if if Jawan Howard can come back to Michigan, right, uh, one of the fab fives, one of, one of the most, uh, 
known basketball alumni behind, you know, uh, Jalen and, and Chris Webber, and, and and take the torch from Beeline and run with it, man, and not not skip us, not you know, uh, miss a beat. You know, I think fans will uh, be wanting to put up a statue of him if it keeps going like that, you know. Right. But like I, like, like but but he. he Right, but he has to take that torch and run with it. And it has to be soon because he's going to get a lot of recruits that are leaving, like this four-star power forward. I forget his name. He's already talked about transferring, and it's not good. We need to get a solid guy in there so these guys, so these kids who are who are committed to us can, can feel, like, comfortable to come like, okay, B-line's gone, but we got Jawan. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? That guy has a lot, a lot of, I don't know, you know, experience in the NBA, a lot of ball experience. He's, he, you know, he's coaching now. So they need to make this move. They need to make it quick. And they need, they need to make the right move, man, because this right now, it's like, to me, it's teetering on, you know, you know, even if they get shocking there, even, what if they don't do that? What if they just said, hey, Yaklich, you're the head coach now. You know what I'm saying? So I'm really curious to see how that goes. And I think that is kind of a viable option, um, if Howard decides to go to an NBA job instead. Um, I think Yaklidge or Saudi Washington are both kind of viable options. Uh, I think they're both, I think, 43 or 53. Um, but, you know, at least at least 10 years younger than Beeline or around the same age Beeline was when he first took over at Michigan. Um, yeah, and to kind of build off of you guys, like I, I do think Jawan Howard would be the best option because he's young. Um, he's kind of like a hot name right now, obviously, when NBA teams are also interviewing him for the job. And then, you know, could he come in and kind of have that Penny Hardaway effect? I know he didn't coach in the AAU, but he coached in the uh, NBA and played with LeBron James and played in college with Jalen Rose and Chris Webber. So I feel like some recruits will probably, you know, kind of gravitate towards that. Um but, you know, if you miss out on Howard, I think Yaklidge or Washington would be a smart move, kind of keep the culture, um, you know, uh, proactive. Con- continuity is important, you know. And uh, right. Jalen Wilson was the guy who um, asked for a release from his scholarship because, you know, he, he committed to Beeline. I believe Beeline was his uh, top recruiter. Um, but now that Beeline's gone and the staff is kind of up in the air, like, you know, if you were to lock down one of those guys or Howard, um, you know, maybe Wilson and other players would be inclined to stay because, uh, yeah. And, you know, to kind of like come to uh, Jay Williams' defense, you know, he had a pretty stupid tweet. I think he just had, had like a loss for words. You know, he said he wanted Juwan Howard to take over and bring back the culture of Michigan basketball. I, I think – I know what he was trying to say. I just think culture was the wrong word. You know, there was like when the Fab Five and Juwan Howard were there, it was the attitude. They mm. had swagger among them. Like, right. it wasn't necessarily culture because Beeline's culture was second to none of what you can ask for from a program like that. Oh. Right, true. So, I like, I got what Williams was saying. I think he just kind of brain farted when he said culture. I think he should have gone for a different word. Yeah, I was, I was when he said that on the tweet, I was like, look around. I was like, culture? I was like, like what happened? What do you mean? What are you talking about? <laughs> I was, like, was he watching uh, Michigan basketball the whole years? But no, but I'm all in for him. I think it would be good for the Ann Arbor, too. It's like a buzz. Like, Juwan Howard's back. The Fab Five will be back. 
it'll be a good uh, situation for Michigan. And I think he will be fine. But there was some talks I saw, like someone was like suggesting maybe just put an intern head coach for one year and then maybe next year. But I don't like that idea. I think that would be too much chaos. Yeah, and I think, you know, next year I feel like now is going to be kind of rough for Michigan. Like I'm not, I'm not saying like in the in the whole future. I'm just saying this one season next year. I feel like Michigan might struggle just because I just don't know where the offense is going to come from. Like, like we had Mike on our last episode, and he was saying that it looks like Eli Brooks might be the the favorite to start at shooting guard, and he's oh, no. he's like same height as me, only like a hundred pounds lighter. You know, <laughs> if he's like. Is it just- if he's competing in the Big Ten against, like, Josh Langford and uh, Luther Washington or Amir Coffey at that same position, like, I just don't see a lot of hope there. Like, I love Xavier Simpson, Simpson and, you know, John Teske and Isaiah Livers are really nice. You got the Julius and Brandon Johns. But, you know, outside of that, like, those are really nice defensive pieces who can play some offense. But I just don't know where, like, the consistent offense will come from. Um but that's not to say, yeah, I, that's not to say like the future is bleak. I just think next year, the one season is might be rough. Yeah, and 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 a, and a side note too is that the last time Michigan went for the sexy name for the head coach, we got Harbaugh. You know, what I'm saying I just hope you know we don't get the sexy name and Jawan Howard, and we get you know uh, NBA, uh, you know the basketball Harbaugh. But for Eli Brooks, man, is it just me or does he look like when um, Dave Chappelle did his Prince skit on playing basketball, <laughs> and he was like game blouses? Like that, that's what I think of every time I watch Eli Brooks play. It's like, dude, shave that head. You know, you know, get yourself lined up because you look like Prince running around out there playing basketball with your pink shoes. But you know, I digress. But uh, yeah, I think I think I think Jawan Howard is a sexy name. I just hope we don't. It doesn't. You know, we don't get a Harbaugh. You know, we're not we're not looking for a name opposed to you know who can actually really coach for us. You know, I've, I've been unimpressed with Harbaugh. That's another story. But yeah, I just hope it's not just another sexy name we get as a head coach, and then. It's just, you know, oh, we, we beat uh, a couple rivalries here. And, you know, we didn't really go far. Uh, we got all summer to talk about how displeased we are with our football teams, our football coaching staff. Right. Um, true, before true. we move on to the NBA, you know, John Beeline was 278 and 150 at Michigan, uh, two Final Fours, both championship games, um, two Big Ten regular season titles, two Big Ten tournament titles. He really established a rivalry. Um, just what was your guys' favorite moments from the Beeline era, if you can, like, think of some right now? Um, the shot. The shot. The Trey Burke shot. That's my favorite shot. I remember I, um, I, 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 I took off work. I went home to watch it. Dude. I was sitting there eating wings, and a shot came. And I jumped up and knocked the table over and knocked over all my wings. But I didn't care at the time because it was such a great shot. That was my favorite, yeah. favorite, biggest moment in, in Beeline. Michigan basketball. I kind of had the same reaction when he made that shot. Me and my brother and my friend, we were just jumping off the couch because I didn't expect it. But I like the one when the plane crashed and they came back and won the tournament. I thought that was like a special moment. That was one of my favorites. That was. Oh, that definitely. They could make a 30 for 30 off of that. Like, that was crazy. I remember watching uh, the first game they played of that tournament, and they had, they had to play in their practice uniforms because of all the mishaps with um, – like the planes and the shipments and stuff. Like, 
Right. I turned on the TV and I saw that. I was like, what in the hell is going on? I was like, to be able to keep the players calm too throughout the whole yeah. situation is, is in focus is shows like to me that's great coaching and great leadership. Yeah. I think I think not only that, I think when you you almost die <laughs> with a bunch of people that you've been, you know, going to war with, it kind of makes your camaraderie and your and you know and your and your bond that much closer. I think they wanted to fight for each other a lot more seeing right. the fact that they they survive something and you know and you know people can you know like oh we'll just get it off a runway dude fuselages are full those wings are full of gas dude anything could have happened a spark could have happened the whole fucking plane could have gone up yeah so it is a scary you know it is a scary thing and i think i think you're right far they 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 they, they, they use it as a, a fuel for their fire man you know, no pun intended but and it's like that team if i remember they weren't like they weren't a guarantee to make the NCAA tournament that season. So, like, you know, people were kind of talking them about them as a bubble team. Like, if they win a game or two, slide into the NCAA. But they just won the whole thing. Like, I, I believe it was four games in four days. Like, I was, yeah, thoroughly impressed by that. Impressive. Um, I really like the work he did with players like uh, Duncan Robinson and Derek Walton. Uh, even though I don't like it that much, uh, Nick Stauskas, you know, like, we talked about it. He he does he did a really good job of developing players. And, you know, obviously as a Michigan State fan, I love how there was just like a good, respectful rivalry from the two teams of basketball. Cause, you know, for so long it was just kinda like Izzo and Michigan State would just clean up in state and look elsewhere. Beeline really challenged Izzo a lot. And I think Izzo is a better coach now. Because uh, John came into Michigan and made it that program. You guys want to talk about fl- uh, playoffs now? Yeah, playoffs. Let's talk about it. Playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Giannis uh, well, <laughs> Giannis is the man. Hey, hey, let's let, let's talk about uh, Mich- um, Warriors Portland because, like, I, I text you, Joe. I think Warriors are going to win it in four. I don't think Portland's bench is deep enough. Yeah, I think the, the Warriors are the Warriors. I just think that after watching them lose a 16-point lead, an eight-point lead going into the, you know, the last, what, like four minutes of the game, you know, this the Warriors, like they're, just, they're just built well. Right, they're just built well. They're coached well. They, they are the, the prototype for what a team should be like in the modern NBA. And I just think if, if the only way Portland's going to win the series is if that, McCollum or Lillard come and drop a 50-burger every night. And I don't think that's honestly going to happen. And, and another thing is it's like I see, you know, McCollum fouled uh, – fouled, uh, what's his face? Uh, Clay Thompson on a three-point. And then he comes asking if he's okay after that. I, I do – I felt like – I'm like, yep, they're getting swept, dude. I even This was after I said it, dude. They're getting swept because you know what, dude? I'm going to my era – Pippen does that to somebody. Pippen isn't walking up to him and saying, are you okay, bro? You all right, up, bro? Pippen's going to be like, yeah, motherfucker. Next time I'll get you even harder. You know what I'm saying? And that's, like what, makes, that's what makes a champion. Right, and that's what makes a champion. Not going up there and, are you okay, buddy? We talked about this about Andre Drummond. Remember when they were playing the Bucks? Yeah. Andre Drummond knocks knocks, knocks Giannis over, and then he, then you realize that he got a flagrant, and then he tries to bake up to him by picking him up. It's like you, you either need to be the bastard, or you need to be 
you know, the nice guy. And I feel like in the NBA, you got to be more of the bastard in, in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? And, and when McCollum did that, I felt like I'm like, McCollum, I love McCollum, but what a bitch move. What a bitch move. What would you guys' whole take on Warriors and Poland? I feel like Blazers are going to take one in Portland, but um, Warriors ball movement is just too good right now. Um, and I just think Draymond, after having a pretty uh, sub-ball regular season, he's been having a loss. Um, but, yeah, there, I don't think there's any way Portland actually wins the series. I think they take a game. I I think they could take two games. Maybe one in Warriors, and we'll see. But I think Damian Leonard needs to step up a little bit. But they seem exhausted. Same for Toronto, you could say. They went to seven games. But Warriors yeah. will fuck KD just is beautiful basketball. Uh, to me, is a lot more funner to uh, watch. But I don't know what, what you guys think about that. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I'm sad our Nuggets are out, man. We were just talking about how we wanted them to go to the finals and everything. And you know, I know we were texting back and forth during Game Seven uh, last week. I'm so sad. I'm sad, man. Dude, I was Nuggets to go. I was pissed. I was pissed. But you know what? You know, I look at it. Portland is a team of veterans. You know what I'm saying? They have Lillard and McCollum. They're vets. You know what I'm saying? They've been in the playoffs. Cantor, he's gone for, uh, pretty pretty far in the playoffs. Turner, you know, Turner is that, you know, that that's that, that Swiss Army knife for a team. He's he, he, he's always been that way. He, you know, Denver, you got Jokic, young dude, right? Core yeah. of their team. You got Harris and Murray, young dudes, the core of their team. Their bench, young dudes. You know what I'm saying? If 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 a team full of vets like Portland, right, took them seven games to beat a young Denver core like that, there's no way they're gonna get past the Warriors. Absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? And Denver, their whole their ceiling is up. It's, it's not. And you know, I looked at it, I was pissed off too because you know, you you got Gary, I got Jokic. Those are our dudes. But their ceiling is so flipping high. They're young. They play at a fast pace. They, they play kind of like Golden State basketball. You know what I'm saying? They spread the floor. So, like me, that loss, seven games, you vets took a bunch of three-year guys. It took you seven game series to beat these uh, three-year players, dude. You know what I'm saying? Denver's yeah. only going up, and I see Portland is just – they're stagnant. They're stagnant, and I just don't think they're going to be able to – beat the Warriors, man. If, if, you can't, I remember, if you can't handle Denver, you're not going to handle the Warriors. Yeah. I remember uh, Gary Harris's rookie season when they came to Detroit. Um, Farba, I remember, like, we've, we've got tickets really close to the court. I, uh, I put on my Gary Harris Spartan uniform, and uh, like I was yelling at the coach because he wasn't playing Harris as much as he should have been. I think it was, like, Shaw or someone like that. I was like, oh, Shaw, why would you play Gary? You know? And then, like, Oh man, Gary Harris was like leaving the court after the game, and I went to like go give him a high five, and this fucking security lady like stops me. She's like, "You can't go beyond this point." I'm like, what the hell are you talk about? Like, there's people beyond this point all over the place. She's like, "Sorry, sir." I'm like, "Oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me!" Like, Gary Harris was like right there, you know. And then like I turn around to like go back up the steps, and Farbar um, was like leaning over the railing. He's like, "Dude, I just I just high fived Gary." Kidding <laughs> me right now. I was calling, <laughs> calling you to run, like, towards me. I saw you talking to security, so I, was, I thought you got in trouble. I was like, I was like, Joe, hurry, hurry. But we also were trying to see Joe McGee, and that was the day they traded him to uh, – yeah. Where did they trade I think they traded him to Philly that day. Yeah, because I wanted to see JaVale. 
Yeah, we want to be like JaVale McGee. <laughs> I don't understand why he Gary like his rookie year. That was so weird. I was like, that's the perfect time to play someone so they could grow, but it turned out good. He's becoming a hell of a player. And he went like low in the draft. A lot of people passed on him for some reason. Yeah. I wanted to pick him again. I thought he would have been great for us. Man, he's he's easily in the top ten of those three and D type players in the NBA, and he's young, dude, and he's young. So, like to me, Denver sky's the limit for Denver. I'm not really impressed with Portland, to be honest with you. I think they lucked out. I think I think when you when you play against the OKC team, where uh, where where you, you, your volume shooter is shooting like 15 percent from three point line, um, it's it's going to be a little easy to and. To, to, to beat them, you know what I'm saying? I just, I thought I thought Paul George would have gave gave a little more. I think you know that that last 47 hoisted shot, you know, 50 50. It's going in or it's not. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it's not like ooh dagger. He's gonna do that every night, dagger. You know, it's not gonna happen. Well, with that series, to me, I think Westbrook woke up a beast with Damian. Uh, I don't think it's like he's always been clutch. Like when I saw he did that one shot with Houston. You would never, never want to give like Damian time to set up and all that. But Westbrook yeah. should have never talk to Damian and try to like, like talk shit to him because he he is gonna wake up. So I think if he had the same maybe motivation, he'd be playing better with Portland right now. But I I just think Warriors is just too good. I think people forget how good they were with all KD. If they yeah. made even with KD, they're like impossible. But this year they seem like they had like some kind of weakness, but I think they just got bored and they're just waiting for something to like wake them up. Like even last year when it was like they were saying Houston, I felt like they were playing lazy. They 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 knew they were gonna beat Houston, so it didn't really matter to them. But I think the Bucks are the best team to beat the Warriors. Yeah, over in the East, yeah, we got Bucks and uh, Raptors, and in my opinion, the two best players currently in the playoffs. Um, Giannis, who I think is the best player, uh, like, currently. And then uh, Kawhi, who might be my favorite player, in all honesty. People forgot how good Kawhi was just by one year absent. But yeah, he's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people forgot that he's won the NBA championship twice. He's got an MVP. He's gotten, uh, you know, first team all defensive player. He's got defensive player of the year. I think a lot of people forgot that about him. Youngest NBA Finals MVP of all time. And he was guarding yeah. LeBron the whole time. To me, he shut LeBron down that whole finals. He kind of got in his head and made him tired. And then yeah. uh, do you guys think they Spurs would have beat the Warriors if they Kawhi didn't got injured that one game with Zaza? Because it seemed like they were up. I think um, injured. they came back. Yeah, I think, I think that would have gone like game seven or something. I still think the Warriors would have won the series. But, yeah, like you said, it was like I think the Spurs with Kawhi were up by like 20 in game one when he got hurt, and then he was done for the series. They ended up getting swept. Like that just shows you um, the the caliber of player that Kawhi Leonard is. And I, I've honestly, like, I've sided with him a lot last year when uh, the Spurs were, like, kind of getting upset with him that he wasn't playing, like, you know – I kind of question when, like, the team doctor is telling the player that they're ready when the player says they don't feel like they're physically ready to play in the game. I think, like, obviously Kawhi did get a little bit childish at some points, 
Um, but overall, like, I definitely sided with him in that whole um, Spurs versus Kawhi dispute. I didn't like how – I think it was Tony Parker who kind of went in public and downgraded him. And then, like, all those veterans were, like, really pushing him down, which I didn't understand. And then for the Spurs to go off of them and say Kawhi just – it was a flop, in my opinion. They should have never done that. And I know they yeah. have, like, with Marcus Aldridge and they're doing all right, but this is – it's Kawhi Leonard is, like, completely different than Marcus. Well, Marcus is a really good role player, in my opinion. And Kawhi is an all-star, superstar. Like, yeah, look at look at the Raptors now that they swapped DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertl for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Like, last year, what you know – they struggled to get past uh, – shit, who was it? I don't know. Whoever the eighth seed was last year, I think they only won in six games and then got swept by Cleveland in the second round. Like, if they if they had this year's team last year, they're not losing to the Cavs in a best-of-seven series, in my opinion. If this team – I mean, it's only hypothetical, but if this current roster is playing last year's Cleveland roster, there's no way – that they're getting swept. I, I think they win the series. I think they would have beat the Cavs, too, because Siakam's been playing really good. Imagine the Spurs right now. They didn't trade for Siakam. They couldn't – like, you only got, like, DeMar DeRozan from that trade. Right. Like, well, you know, the Raptors probably would have given Siakam because, you know, he, he kind of had, like, a bit of a down year last season, too. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think uh, the Raptors are going to win two on their home court. Uh, you know, they got the Drake advantage or whatever. <laughs> but I think I think Bucks and Six in that one. I also agree. I think it's Bucks, Bucks and Six. Like, yeah. Raptors, they just look tired. Like, they went down to the wire in game seven against Philly. Oh, yeah, big time. And I, I think I think you guys are right, probably around game six. But, I, but for the Warriors, I really do think the Warriors are going to sweep them. <laughs> I just do. When, when you're when your best when the person giving the most effort on the floor in the fourth is Seth Curry because he wants to, it, it, it's that sibling rivalry I believe it's to give him a little extra motivation. But when your point when your backup point guard is coming off the bench and playing harder than your starters, you know the, there's there's a disconnect there. And I and it'd be cool if they find it because I want to see this go to Game Seven. I want to see the Eastern Conference go to Game Seven. I mean, Game Seven is probably the, the one of the sexiest words when it comes to NBA playoffs. You know what I'm saying? I want to see it, but I just I don't I do not have faith in Portland, seeing that they couldn't even you know handle uh, uh, a young team, a young core team like like Denver. You know what I'm saying? I just seen, I just don't. Right. Cantor defense is off. It's just garbage. On a pick and roll, he can't do anything. He can't move his like legs or nothing. He just like no one seemed motivated in, in a defensive end for honestly every team. It's kind of annoying to watch. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Ernest Cantor. If you guys can't tell, I, I think he's he's soft. He can't move. He can't do nothing. He just puts back shots in. There was one. And the thing was a OKC game. No, the Nuggets game. He got a rebound, and he just airballed. And I think it was because he dislocated his arm, which I understand, but I didn't know at the time. But his defense is so bad. And then they tried, They got the backup to do the same thing. It was it was doing the same thing. They, they couldn't do the pick and roll. No one would step up, and Curry was just shooting those threes. It was wide open too. Right. Yeah. And then Clay is 
another level. People forgot how good Clay is ever since the KD trade. Right. Yeah. So let's let's talk about yeah. Let's talk about the Golden State Warriors since uh, Kevin Durant went down in Game One because I've, we've we've all seen the discussions online like they look better. Are they actually better? Are they more fun to watch? Like Sasha, you remember uh, during uh, this the Houston series? I, I think I I texted you and I said Splash Bros are playing like the Trash Bros these these playoffs. But right. you know, or it was against Houston that KD got hurt. But still, since then, like since KD got hurt, and I hope he's okay. In all honesty, I don't have any ill will towards him. Um, like Steph and Clay, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson have been playing so much better, and it does remind me of what we saw out of the Warriors before he got there. Like the ball movement is spectacular. Like they're screening really well. Um, Draymond, I feel like has gotten his mojo back. And, yeah, like, I don't know if they're better, but they're a lot more fun to watch. And I do think Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are better. I think we'll – if we – so the one reason I think they got KD is throughout the end when they was facing the Cavs and when they're in a tough spot, they seemed to lose. And when they plug in KD, KD would just come in and close the whole game out. And yeah, he's a basket getter. Yeah, so I think KD with, – with KD, they'll be better – but they just seem a lot more fun to watch. And I hope, like, Katie leaves so the league will open up a little bit. But they're still fun to watch. I still think even if Katie leaves, they'll be still the best team and they'll probably go to the finals again. I, they might, they may retain uh, Boogie Cousins if Katie leaves. You know, you don't know. And they got a, the All Stars still. So, yeah. Right. And you know what? And, and free agency is going to be a monster this year. There's so many free agents. You know, KD, Kyrie, Clay, even. You know what I'm saying? So, who's to say uh, Clay even stays with Golden State? You know, and I always said when, you know, everyone forgot about Clay. I think that everyone forgot about Clay because is that you, you, you plug in KD, you're, you're definitely going to take some volume away from Clay. And I feel like, you know, that's why. That's why everyone kind of forgot about Clay because I feel like if you give Clay the same amount of volume that you give, you know, KD or you give Steph, is he's gonna put up those numbers too. So that's why, like, um, I I feel like I'm under the impression that he wants to go somewhere else. He wants to go be the dude somewhere else because if he gets those same amount of looks and touches KD and and Steph are getting, he's hitting the stuff down because not only is he good at the three. But he has that little fadeaway in the post. He can dunk it. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like he's like a one-trick pony. And he plays good defense on the other end. So it's like yeah. you, give, you give him those that uh, volume, he'll be putting up those numbers too. And I think even him being like that that quiet, you know, reserved demeanor, I think it kind of bugs him in a way. And I think I think that Clay's on his way out. I actually hope Clay stays in Golden State because I'm interested to see if the core of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala, if they together can get over the six-ring hump, uh, MJ and the Bulls set. I think he's going to stay. I don't think he will leave. Maybe even if KD stays, he'll probably stay. But a lot of people want him to go to the Lakers. I think if he goes to the Lakers, his career is going to be ruined. Because that whole mess right now over there is not going to look good. But I hope, uh, like I said, I'm all in for Katie leaving and then 
Clay stays and they go try to win a championship to prove themselves they can win without KD, even though they did. But the whole 3-1 thing is always going to be on their shoulders. So if when KD leaves and if they do win a championship, that will be wiped out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, real quick, uh, the NBA draft lottery happened last week too. Uh, kind of a surprise move and the Pelicans – Got the number one pick, which I think proves the point that the Pistons should have been tanking because if they they lost their last few games, they would have had the same chance percentage-wise as the Pelicans to get the number one pick, but I digress. Um, What do you guys think the Pelicans should do now that they have the number one pick? Like trade Anthony Davis, trade the number one pick, try to get Anthony Davis to stay and play with Zion. Uh, What do you guys think? I said Trey Anthony Davis a stack on uh, draft picks. Like, yeah. what, you know what the Celtics did with KG and Paul Pierce? I'll try to do that and it build slowly. Like, Anthony yeah. Davis not go, doesn't want to be there. And even with Zion, Zion, I don't think he wants to be there either. And he's he's been injured almost whole career. So, I don't know, like, if someone wants to, like, still keep that and then see if try to get access, just don't trade him into the West. Like, trade him to the East so you won't face him six times a game a year. Yeah. Um, who was it for the uh, for the Pelicans told him that um, – I think it was a statement. Was it, was it yesterday or Thursday he came out um, and said, uh, we're, not, we're not trading Anthony – we're trading Anthony Davis to the Lakers over my dead body. That was yeah. the only quote. He, yeah, he quoted that. So, AD is definitely not going to the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? He's, not, he's definitely not going to Lakers via the Pelicans. You know what I'm saying? Pelicans are going to get what they get out of this this young man. Rightfully so. I, I definitely got to agree with them. Do I think Zion Williamson is enough to have him stay there? I mean, hey, dude. I I He wore a That's All Folks shirt in <laughs> his last home game for the Pelicans. It's going to be tough for him to win the fan base back. You know what I'm saying? Can he win the fan base back? Oh, most definitely. They, dude's dude's one of the top players in the NBA. I'm sure um, uh, a, a well-recited PR script will definitely get him back in the good graces of, you know, the Pelican fans. But you got Zion there. You got, to me, I think Drew, Drew Holiday is so underrated. Um, I, I You, you kind of like where they can go with the Pelicans, but – I wouldn't be surprised if they said, hey, we're trading you to the East for, you know, like you said, you know, a bunch of first-rounders uh, picks. So, be, Drew be Howell, really curious to see where they go. Yeah, Drew Howell, they said he wants out, too. So, they probably have to trade him. And if they, they could get some asses off of him, too, by another draft pick. Yeah. The third pick, too, Pelicans, and try to get Anthony Davis. That's what I was going to say, because there was talk they would try to p- trade the number one pick overall uh, for Anthony Davis. So why not try to trade the number three pick overall? And, you know, maybe like an asset here or there, because I, I feel like, like you said, Knicks are still going to get KD. You know, they might not get Kyrie, but I th- they could get somebody like Kemba or, you know, someone like that. And then, you know, if you add Anthony Davis for a year to that, uh, to that mix, maybe – you get lucky and he does what Paul George does and signs a long-term contract. Hmm. With, with Kyrie though, um, you, have you guys seen the whole, what's going on with NBA 2K19 with Kyrie? Yeah. He put like all those Lakers uniforms. So I think he's going. Yeah, he, 
Yeah, like Ky- Kyrie is like a big park player. He actually plays the NBA. And you can tell because like the NBA players, they make them um, VIPs and they put like a little NBA uh, icon above them. So, you know, that's actually the player that's playing. And he had his dude geared in all Lakers gear. So is is he being a troll? You know what I'm saying? Is he mind fucking the people or is he uh, actually letting us know where he's going? But I think I, with, with the whole I'm sorry, LeBron thing and. You know, uh, you know, I'm dealing with these little yeah. guys like you're dealing with me in Cleveland. I don't, I don't, I, I do not put it past Kyrie to go tuck tail and run back to LeBron in LA. That was soft, in my opinion. Like yeah. he went through the whole summer going through the like. I don't want to like. I want my own team, and then him and LeBron, the whole thing, and then you just come back. He's like, oh, I understand and all that stuff. Just I don't know. That was just in my opinion. I was soft on Kyrie's end. Now the Celtics, I bet you they like they're kind of mad that they didn't trade him to the Pelicans to get Anthony Davis because they said they wanted to pair up Kyrie and Anthony Davis. But now Kyrie's just it seems like he's gone. I wouldn't even trade J.T. Tatum or anybody to Pelicans to get Anthony Davis because you don't even know he's gonna stay there. Right. I I would personally would rather have Rozier and 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 Marcus Smart. You know, uh, do like a like a like a point guard by committee. You know what I'm saying? Because I think that Kyrie really didn't do nothing for these guys. I think he kind of, in a way, he he he, he him what he did to to the Celtics young core. I feel like not as bad, not as bad as LeBron did to the young core over there. You know, he didn't try to like offer up the whole young young core to platter for one dude. You know what I'm saying? But I think it's like that the same kind of mentality there. To say like I'm the vet. Uh, I'm gonna take over. You guys gotta listen to me. You guys are young, 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 young punks, 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 and those young, young punks aren't, aren't gonna re- react like that. That young core was a game away from going to the NBA Finals. So, like, I feel like it, it was disrespectful. It was kind of like a slap in the face to the young players to be like, "I'm back. I'm healthy. Like, that was nice what y'all did last year, but it's my turn now. Like, you know, I'm taking control. I'm the leader." But then when things get difficult, like, I feel like he wasn't he wasn't a very good vocal leader either because, you know, it, I was reading an article where some of the young Celtics players said it, it took them by shock when he said in that interview that he, cont- he reached out to LeBron and s- said that stuff. Like, I mean, how would you feel if you were those young Boston players and you got to game seven – of the Eastern Conference Finals last year without Kyrie or Gordon Hayward. And then this year, you're kind of like, oh, you're kind of being told what to do when, you know, he's trying to, Kyrie's trying to put you in your place, so to speak. Like, right. I wouldn't have it either. And if I were Terry Rozier, you know, he's Terry Rozier straight up said, if Kyrie's back, I'm not. And I have no issue with him saying that. Because Rozier was a beast in the playoffs last year. And this year he was he had an extremely limited role. Right, Same thing and, about, he was really limited this year too. Yeah, and, and you know what really bugs me about Kyrie too is the whole that basketball is an art form, and I am a genius. It's like shut up with your freaking meta shit. Go out there and play basketball, bro. It's a sport. All right, you're a genius. Then why haven't you won a, a championship every single year you're in the league? If you're a genius, a genius would have figured out how to win every single year. 
You know what I'm saying? Though you might be you might be a good ball handler. You might be the man with you know you know the, the way he throws the ball off the glass because you've been practicing his whole life. I'll give him that. But like to call yourself like almost like you're just like meta human genius for basketball. It's like chill the fuck out, bro. It's a goddamn sport. You know what's gonna happen in ten years? Your knees are gonna fucking be too old for you to do it, and there's gonna be someone else that's gonna come up right behind you, bro. It's the cycle of life. It's the cycle of sport. You know what I'm saying? It's a cycle of man. Shut up and just play the goddamn sport talking about it's an art form and I'm a genius. It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. There ain't no cheese and crackers sitting out here for you. You know, there's no wine from France. You know, put the pinky down from from the side of your damn mouth. You know what I'm saying? It's a damn sport. Play the sport. Get your damn, uh, uh, get these young core uh, uh, kids involved and stop being this, this pretentious prick. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, uh, I, I'm beyond that stuff. I'm beyond LeBron drinking wine at the end of the bench. You know what I'm saying? And still demanding, still demanding that they treat him good when Kyle Kuzma's got to push you out there to play defense, dude. You're, you're, you're a Hall of Famer and you got a, ten, a, a second, third year player having to push you to go play defense. What kind of, Jordan would have never in his, in his uh, tenure in the NBA, ever let a, a rookie or a third-year player push him and, and, and tell him to go play defense. Never seen it. Never seen it, and I and you never would have. You know what I'm saying? But you see it in LeBron, and that this year's LeBron, dude, and this year's Kyrie. It's just like you guys are being little pretentious a holes. Shut up and play the game. You know what I'm saying? You guys are multi-millionaires. Be thankful for that. You know what I'm saying? Match made. Absolutely. Go, go to LA. Go to LA, Kyrie. Do your little art, arte, suarte shit over there. No, whatever. I I know. Like when he went to like Los Angeles. Like I'm a huge LeBron fan. I always try to find ways to like back him up. But the whole thing where he did with the Anthony Davis and all that stuff, it just was like not a good look. I didn't like how he like handled that. And then one, he went to the Lakers and. Every LA fan around here, they hate LeBron. They always say Kobe. Like this is Kobe's like city, so trying to win them over is not going to be easy. And then he goes out in public and he went to LA for business ties. So to me, like you don't even care about basketball. So for the Lakers to give him that contract and think they will like have a chance to win a championship, it was just like yeah, right. And then I feel like the NBA right now, the franchises they they like the name of a player. They don't know. They don't like the chemistry of a team. They value that more of a player name because Kyrie doesn't fit with the Celtics, and without Kyrie, they're way better. And I think Anthony Davis will be will fit better with them, but I wouldn't even trade for him now because you don't even know he will stay. Right, and, and he has that shitty attitude. I mean, look, look at all three of us were we're from Michigan. We watch the Pistons. We we know we, we're bad boys going to work Pistons, that blue-collar basketball. That's what we see as basketball. That's what we see as, you know, the way to go about it. So when you see when me, you, and Joe, when we see LeBron acting like this and Kyrie acting like this, we're turned off because we're not about that one name. We're about that blue-collar basketball, going to work, moving it around like the Warriors do. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's what really upsets us when these pretentious assholes are just about their name rather than about the team. And it also upsets names sell tickets. Sorry, Joe. I was just going to say names sell tickets. That's like the basics. But, yeah, go ahead, Farber. Well, one thing about LeBron that kind of like 
irritates me. Like, you know what he can do, and there's some games you don't see it. Like, when I saw the game six against the Celtics, when he just took over when he was in Miami, that's when, I, like, when you find out, like, this is LeBron. Like, he grew up. And then he, like, when he was against the Spurs, he kind of felt like he was cramping, and there was, like, other stuff going on. And then with the Lakers, and it was just like, you know, like, he can have a killer instinct and take over games, but he just doesn't do it. And then Kyrie attitude is just – it always like, turned me off. I just didn't didn't like. Yeah. Well, also championships yeah, so, uh, sell tickets too. So if Ky- like Kyrie's name is big and it will sell tickets, but if you if that team brought in a championship, it'll be more. Yeah. Yes, and I want. I really want. I really want Fairbar to do this one. I want you to start this one out, and I want you just to fucking kill it, dude. Go. So, Joe knows my whole problem with DC and Zack Snyder. How they. To me, right now, Batman is a joke. Anybody could be it. Um, right now, like, I'm iffy about the actor. But my my whole issue is the direction of Batman. I'm tired of hearing year one storylines, the same villains, the same crap. I want Batman. Like, when I read a Batman comic, there's, like, a fear into it. When you see Batman, there's a fear. So I want bones be breaking. I want, like, ass kicking. I want everything in it. But there's always the same story and the same shit. For 10 years, I think they should stop making movies and let it just, like, refresh and then go with the, the comic book version. I'm tired of hearing these, like, directors, like, I want a different Batman. I want my take of Batman. Something different. Something different. And this comes out with the same crap again. Like, like what's the point? And then I think Snyder just ruined, like, everything about DC. Like, everything's a joke. Like, I can't take anything serious. So if they do, like, get a great actor to be Batman... Like, I won't even, like, take it serious. Like, it's, like, it's going to be shit. Because, like, the way they they just do everything. Like, I want to see the Court of Owls. I want to see a Hush. I want an Under the Red Hood storyline. I want all these storylines. But I know I'm never going to get it because we got these these idiots taking over it who probably never read anything in the comics and was like, I want my own storyline on this. Like, if you watch the – like, the Gotham TV show is just shit. There's nothing about Gotham I see in that. Penguin is not Penguin. The Riddler is not Riddler. Like, there's nothing. Bane is not Bane. Like, mm-hmm. Bane is a, like a, a luchador. He's a wrestler. And then, like, they changed that up. Like, I just didn't understand that. <laughs> I'm just frustrated, man. Like, it just yeah. never go. It's like they seem like they just want to play catch up. Like, catch up with Marvel. Like, just take a step back and then plan something out for, like, at least 10 years and then come out. Like, I don't even know if this Batman's going to be a part of that whole Aquaman universe. So how they go explain that situation? This doesn't make sense at all. There's two Jokers. Oh. <laughs> no, far I, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. I'm so I'm so sick of like you said year one. How many times are we gonna get? Uh, they leave the movies. They walk down the alley. Uh, Martha and uh, uh, Thomas get shot. Bruce becomes Batman. You know what I'm saying? It's like. How many it's, times are you going to ride that out? I mean, it's so flipping old. What's really intriguing, I, I could probably talk Batman with you for hours, dude, is what's, what I want to see is I want to see a Batman family, like you said. I want to see the Red Hood. I want to see Nightwing. I want to see Red Robin. I want to see Robin. I want to see Batman. I want to see Batman. Like, like, I would love to see a Batman family movie. I, so, 
if people don't know, spoiler, Red Hood is was the second Robin. So when they introduce that, they you really don't know who it is, and then they you find out it's Jason. So when you watch the anime, it's like you could tell like there's some it's something personal. But just imagine like the whole interaction with Nightwing and Red Hood. Like Nightwing finds out that Red Hood went on like this route, and they think that that's not going to like sell. That's not going to be good. Like, are you serious? And then I just. So Winter Soldier this morning, like it would be something like that, like when yeah, they st- basically they they kind of like jack that storyline to do that, and then you that's how you could bring Black Mask and you could bring Joker in, and and there won't be a mess of a of villains because sometimes movies does that they have like three villains and there's it doesn't like work out well, and for this movie they're saying they're coming out is either it's gonna be Penguin and Catwoman, like if they do like a comic book version of Penguin and something good, then I'm fine with it. But Catwoman again, like, why do we need to see Catwoman? Like, a, I was makes, also, like, I was also reading that, uh, that, that, um, what's that, um, Sophia Vergara, her husband, you know, I'm talking, you know, talking about that, uh, Italian actor that he's going to play Deathstroke in the next upcoming Batman movies. So I read, Joe yeah, so I read that. So like, I, like, like that would be cool because, have we ever just really seen like Deathstroke be the main villain in, in a in a in a Batman movie? You know what I'm saying? And he's one, he's like one of the like Batman's greatest villains in my opinion because I love Deathstroke. He created Deadpool. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I would like to see that too. You know what I'm saying? And Ben Affleck, he shot like a scene with like a he posted on Twitter with like Deathstroke coming out of like this like the fog out of this plane and it's Deathstroke and it looked amazing and I was like. They didn't give Beth, Ben Affleck a, a, a chance. And with the way they were selling it, I was in it. And then when you watch the movie, it was completely different. Like, they're just like, what the hell is this crap? And then for me, like, I think the first movie, I told, like, Joe this. You, you ever watch that one Bruce Lee movie when he goes to, like, each level and there's, like, there's like a martial Enter, Enter the like, Dragon? No, the one with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in it. Is, isn't that one Enter the Dragon or Enter... Where, yeah, he has a, he goes and he climbs the levels and Kareem's in the yellow suit and he puts the big yeah, footmark so on his head. Like yeah, like a level of like martial arts and he's like going there and fight. So just imagine that with Batman. So you have multiple villains and then you can have one that controls like kind of, you can say the Joker and Joker would be the last one and he like, it's basically like the Arkham game arc. So if they I had, was, that would have been, just imagine just, just Batman just beating everybody's ass for like two hours. Like that would be insane. Like the but, like if, if you had the Arkham arc, like you said, if they made like an Arkham movie, like Batman and Arkham movie, over, dude, over. I think that would just blow everything up if they do it right. It yeah. would be insane. <laughs> I feel like they're definitely like restricting themselves, like keeping it to the same formula over and over again, just because it worked with Tim Burton and Michael Keaton and it worked with uh Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale, like, yeah, like you say, like, um, Penguin and Catwoman, we saw that movie already, and then we saw Catwoman again in uh, Dark Knight Rises, like, you know, we've seen, like, three or four different, you know, it's, it's crazy. I, I feel like, oh, go ahead, Far. Uh, you, you could go ahead. I, I feel like that, like, I want, 
I, I love the DC animated movies, the the uh, the Gotham by Gaslight, you know, in the family, even the Bad Blood, where it's like he finds out he has a he has a son, and him and Damien, you know, Damien wants to kill everybody, and uh, you know, you know, Bruce is trying to teach him like uh, the knockout way, you know what I'm saying? All those animated movies, dude. I still want. I still got to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one and the Hush one that you posted the other day. is really intriguing. I can't wait to watch that too. But I feel like they need to hook up with those guys and be like, "What are you guys doing so good over here in DC's animated studios that we could transition this into live action?" You know what I'm saying? I think. You know, I think they need to go somewhere out. Yeah, I was like, their answer would be just like. Oh, we just follow the comics, and I would, always the Frank Miller, and then year one, like, uh, I don't even like the Frank Miller one that much when I read it, but Hush is by far my favorite story, and then Under the Red Hood is my favorite story, and they do Batman this one, no origins, cut that out, and then try to have, like, a mystery side of it, so Quarter Owls, I like that storyline, they should do that. And have Batman like a figure like people don't believe. They say, no, that's not true. Batman's like that. Now, there's no such thing in Batman. Like something like that. You could build off of that. It just seems like it's the same thing. And then also, for me, I think the reason they put Catwoman in it is to have like a love interest. And if you read a Batman comic, like Batman doesn't give a shit about that. Like he really doesn't care. <laughs> Right, he has he has the Al Ghouls too. He has a kid with uh with uh one of uh Ross's daughters. So it's like yes, he's gonna get he's gonna get Nani anywhere he goes. It doesn't matter if it's Catwoman or not, you know. Yeah, he has he has a uh, Damien is uh is his son who is Talia Al Ghul is Damien's uh mom and right. Talia actually, uh date raped Batman to have a kid with him because they thought he was like Rach Rachel Ghul wanted Batman as his next like. I'm practicing, like wanting him to take over the League of a Shadow League of Shadows. Right. One thing about the Nolan's series that pissed me off is they made Batman be like was taught was like his student. Like Batman was never his student. Like Batman knew all like all this stuff before that. And like he was basically equal to to Rage. And then the detective side is really lacking in these movies. Like they play like Batman does wouldn't know Bane was creating an underground world. Like, he will figure that out way before what happened. You could still have Bane be powerful enough to beat him, but, like, Batman is not – he's not stupid. Like, he would know. And then that's – and then the Dark Knight, you know how when Joker, like, flipped, like, the whole thing? Like, he said Rachel was in this area and Harvey Dent was in this area. And then Batman yeah. goes and it was Harvey Dent. Like, I feel like Batman would have knew that he would flip it and he would go on – like, he would know that. He's, like, the world's greatest detective. They even said that, like – there's a lot of like characteristics that is lacking in Batman, and Batman is not nice. Like he will break people's arm, he won't kill nobody, but he will he will break it. And that's when I read it, there's like a darkness into it, and there's like a him battling with his inner self of not killing because he wants to, but he's not going to do it. So that's right. another thing about it. Like when I'm watching these movies, I don't see anything about him staring in the abyss and not like blinking or like not taking it in and not like like going into it. Like, he's not going to kill, even though there's some points, like, he wanted to. And Joker was the one who really, like, twisted him. And, like, to me, that's another thing about Joker I feel like is lacking. So, like, when when Jason died, Batman went in the deep end of the dark. Like, he wanted to kill, but he didn't do it. But he wouldn't, like, he was paralyzing people, basically, breaking people. He, like, shunned all his family members. It was just him. He was alone. 
And then to see a character like that to go through that will be like it will be interesting, but they won't right. do it. It's the same like like Superman. I'm like the I hate Superman. Mm-hmm. I'm always T Bam. Don't really give a shit about him. But then like when I watched the movie, I knew I was like, this ain't the Superman I know. <laughs> like it's, it's the way they did Doomsday didn't make no sense. And like just killing off all these villains that they could have brought back is just crazy to me. Right, I'm a, I'm a I'm a general Zod fan myself. I feel like if Zod was on Earth just as long as Superman was, that he'd beat the shit out of Superman, you know. But yeah, with with the whole with the whole Batman thing is like I feel like Robert Patterson could work as Batman if they do a Batman Beyond. If Old Man Keaton comes in and plays Bruce Wayne, and you know, and he's mentoring uh, Batman Beyond, and and I feel like Patterson's in the the right build for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like they can go so many different ways. Like I've said this to Joe before. I feel like they 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 hang DC hangs their hat too much on Batman in the Justice League when there's so many good characters outside of that. You know that you can go see. Like for me, I'm 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 excited for the new Joker. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like it has that dark that uh, what Joe says that that dismal that dismal hopelessness. You know that that comes with DC uh, comics. You know what I'm saying, and I feel like it's the same kind of darkness as Nolan's Batman's. You know what I'm saying? Because for for one, I'm I'm an '89 Batman. I think that's the best Batman movie. Michael Keaton's Batman Joker. That to me is the best the best uh, Batman film ever. You know, I, I I'll I'll, yeah. I'll say that till the day I die. But I feel like yeah, they could have they, they they could go so many different ways with it. You know, I I feel like they could they, they could kick it off with a with a Flashpoint movie and just totally fuck up the whole DC universe. You know, bring in Martha Wayne as Joker, bring in Thomas Wayne as killing Batman. You know what I'm saying? Make the Justice League turn to each other. Make fucking Wonder Woman evil. You can do so much with DC, and they just like you said, they just continue to do the year one Batman, the year one Batman. It's just like graduate graduate evolve there's so many good characters in dc and you guys are not doing them justice and marvel's over there just fucking pissing on you guys fucking ashes i think they are going to do the flashpoint uh storyline but they're having issues with like the direction maybe the director but when i watched the i I watched like one like clip of the justice league it was with the flash in it and it was like this is not barry that i know like Barry was a smart, like, individual. Like, he would know where West and East is. Like, yeah. they just try to make him look like Spider-Man, like, their version of it. It was kind of like, what? Like, they, no one trying to be the characters. Yeah. But back, going back to, like, the Batman Beyond, what happened, they put, like, you know when, like, Bruce dies and then Dick Grayson becomes Batman, but no one knows, like, Bruce died because, you know, Batman is bigger than Bruce. So maybe he becomes... Uh, Dick Grayson as Batman, but I don't know. When I just see him, I just don't see Bruce. I just don't see it. Maybe if when like when he had his short hair shaved off, I kind of see like the New Fifty Two Batman. But there's something about it. It's just not, it's not clicking for me. But I mean, even even, even a New Fifty Two Batman, like I just got done reading Death in the Family. You know, when Joker staples on his friggin' face. They should that Joker when with uh. What's his name? Uh, the guy who plays in Suicide Squad, Jared Leto. They should have done that Joker with him. The one thing they had with 
the reason, like, the whole tattoo thing, which I was always against, and people were like, well, we need to give him a chance. I was like, this is not Joker. Like, this is stupid. And then I was like, they should have done this look because they were like, we want to be different than Heath Ledger one. I was like, then go off by the new 52. Like, that's a right. different joke. Right. Yeah, dude. Like, 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 like the fate, like, like that, like when I read Death in the Family, that was to me one of the best, you know, like he's going around like murking, you know, the, the Robins, the, uh, you know, Nightwing, you know, you, you know, yes. Batman's missing. That's just such a good storyline. And, and to have his face, Joker staple on his face, it's just th- how crazy he is in that, in that series is just what I want to see out of a Joker. When he uh in that book, remember the the scene when there was in, in the table and he wrapped everybody's face with uh so Batman won't see it and then inside a plate was their like their face cut off, but it was just like prosthetics, so he was trying to like mess with them. That shit was crazy. <laughs> wild, wild. Joe, Joe, sneak in here, dude, because me and Farbar probably go on for hours. Back and loving this, in all honestly, like this is <laughs> love this. Um. Yeah, so, like, to talk on the news of Robert Pattinson, like, you know, we kind of got in, like, a Twitter discussion, Farbar and I, uh, with some with some friends earlier today. And it's, like, it, it's one thing, like, you know, to not like it um, at first. But it's not like we're saying um, there's no way this will be good at all, which, you know, likely it won't because, you know, we, we, we just went on, like, a whole thing about DC. But, like, I feel like, Pattinson, it's going to be hard for him to like shed uh, his image of Twilight because that was like his first big break. And, you know, when you're a sparkly vampire and you're like just so like kind of, you know, you know, teenage angsty and bratty and, you know, to be forthright, like kind of feminine, like it's going to be really difficult to break from that image. And like, I feel like he needs Batman to like, fix up his image you know what i'm saying he needs to beef up a little bit because batman is big as superman like he's huge yeah. and that's right. what I'm feeling. dc is in a, dc has put themselves in a really tricky spot because i think out of all the movies that they've made they've got something good with wonder woman they got something good with jason momoa as aquaman uh, i haven't seen shazam yet but i've heard mostly good things about it like, so they got something there, and then it seems like they're kind of restarting with Batman. And, um, you know, what's his name? Henry Cavill pulled out from being Superman. So they kind of got to restart there, too. So it's they're going to have to, like, really make up for themselves, like, being at this point, but having to restart really, you know, like you said, Sasha, characters that they've been leaning on from the beginning. So then I think you thought. Uh, Go ahead, Farber. One of the reasons I think Ben Affleck left is because his frustration with uh, Upper that he couldn't have, like, like they were saying, like, it was because of his timing and all that stuff. But like, I don't see anything Ben Affleck doing right now. I think he wanted to do something different, and they didn't want him to do it. So it was kind of like the Uppers were giving him problems, and he was just frustrated. Like, you know what? I put was put Matt there, and then he would just keep getting frustrated, and he's just like, I- I'm done. I think that's the same thing with Henry Cavill. I, I think he didn't like the direction they were doing with Superman. No, Farbar, I agree with you. I think that 
someone like Ben Affleck who's wrote, written movies like Argo, who's written movies like Gone Girl, Goodwill Hunting. You know what I'm saying? When he's telling them like I, you know, I I I I wouldn't put it past Ben Affleck going up there and be like, hey, let's let's do it this way. I, I've been reading this set of comic books. What about you guys think about this? No, 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 no. And he's probably like, you know what? Fuck you guys. You know what I'm saying? And and Henry Cable was out too. And not to mention is that Ezra Miller, the dude who played Flash, he's out too because he wanted to when when they were t- writing the script for the Flash Flashpoint movies, he wanted to go dark with it. He wanted to go dark with it. And if you go dark with it. You can go so many opposite ways. Like I said, you can go to like uh, Justice League's fighting each other. You got uh, 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 what's her face, um, uh, Wonder Woman and her homegirls. You know, killing all the dudes on the planet. You know, you can you you you, you got, you got uh, Bruce Wayne who dies who dies in the uh, alleyway and his parents survive. There's so many ways you can go with it. And Ezra Miller's writing that script. They told him, nah, we're not going to go with it. And he's going to be like, you know what? Nah, I don't want to be Flash no more. So you see that Ben Affleck's walking away. Henry's walking away. Ezra's walking away. There's something wrong there. And they need to start giving creative control to the people who actually, I don't know, know what they're doing and go off the comic books. And the Flashpoint is a dark-ass storyline. So I don't understand why they want to do it. It's a dark storyline on Flashpoint. Wonder Woman and Aquaman is literally killing Earth because they're having a war. Because Aquaman right. cheated on his wife with Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman cut his wife's head off when she found out. And then Aquaman was mad because his, uh, his people were mad, so they're like, we have to do something. And they're just literally just deteriorating the Earth. And Thomas Wayne does not give a shit about anything. He's killing people left to right with his guns and Martha is Joker. She lost her mind. Like the end, literally. Was, in the comic, it was uh, I think it was a sword he uh, stabbed uh, uh, Thawne in the in the chest. But in the movie, he shot him in the head. So like those like and then Shazam died by Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman killed like a group of kids. Like going full anime. Right. Like it has to be dark. Right. It makes no. <laughs> but you want those two. Like what? <laughs> right, and I feel like that's the only way they can go with it to surpass Marvel because to Marvel, to me, ever since the MCU came into play, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like it's been too campy. You know, there's there's a snarky little. Uh, it's it's half comedy. It's half action, and other half is is comedy. You know, budding romance between uh Captain America and Falcon. You know, what I'm saying it got too campy. <laughs> me, I want to see dark shit. You know, what I'm saying like like the, like uh. Far, did you watch any of the um the live action DC shows like Titans? I saw some clips, so I want to see it. But what, the Bro, thing, watch it. Yeah, it's so flipping good, and they're cussing, and they're breaking bones, and they're smashing skulls. It's great, dude. And so is Doom Patrol. So is Doom Patrol too. The way to introduce Batman, because that's the only like clip I saw. I know it was a dream. But you don't see Batman, but you see his figure, and you see what like what he's capable of and what he could do. So that's to me that should be that's how should Batman be introduced. And that Snyder was talking about how he wanted to do that, and he flopped it. Like it just made no sense. But back to like what Marvel does, I feel like like they get the bottom of the comics and the feel when you read it, and they put it in the movies. They do that really really well. And DC doesn't. Right how to get those feelings out because they think they can't sell them. And then Kevin was actually threatening Marvel to leave for the same, I think the same issue, like 
everybody in DC is having, he had for a while. And he said, like, listen, either you keep this guy or I'm leaving. And they kept Kevin and they let the other guy say, you, you branch off. We're not going to have this. Like, he's not going to go to you. And then, right. well, and I don't know, man. That's I wish they just stayed for 10 years, just stay put and try to plan it out and then come out. And instead right. of trying to and like I think maybe I think Robert will like if the direction is fine and director is good and I think Matt is good but I just feel like DC will find a way to uh, screw it up and um, another right. thing about Ben Affleck he's a huge Batman fan like that was he was like he's so knowledgeable and he's always like reading about those and that was his dream role like one of the reasons he didn't want to take the Daredevil role was because he wanted to be Batman like he didn't know that that there was going to be a Batman movie, so he took the Daredevil one, and then he found out, oh, they're they're planning on to do it, so he kind of regretted it. But then the the Daredevil one flopped, and he like he was really upset that he screwed that up. And I don't even blame him. Like that's another movie you could see like there was too many villains and characters with that. And Daredevil shouldn't have been a movie in the first place. I think a TV show was the right move, which they yeah. they know now. It's just I wish. You know, a Batman TV show would be nice because you get more stories, more characters, and then it'll be more time for everybody so you can have the Bat family in it. But they could really just do a Bat family. Like, they're doing a Birds of Prey movie. Like, I don't want to see no Birds of Prey movie. I want to see a Bat family movie. Right. <laughs> I want to see Bat family. Bat family, dude, like, I don't understand. The people that know Bat family, dude, that'd be such a good flipping movie. You can go so many ways with it. I just don't understand why they won't do it. It's just, I think they're just comfortable the way they're doing it and just get the checks. And then DC fans were being a homer about it. They will, they wanted like, they keep saying like, oh, Zach is doing a great job. Like, Zach is not doing no great job. He's ruining everything. He's right. trash. And like, I was thinking like the whole death stroke one, that could have been, that would have been insane. Like just imagine a fight scene between those two on a movie scene. That would have been insane. Yeah. Right. Just 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 their iconic masks alone meeting up. You know what I'm saying? I just want because Batman, like, there's so many points in the comics that he gets down, like he's like he's broken. Like like in the movies you see all these like the heroes are always like like they're top notch, like nothing gets to them. And you kind of see that with Captain America and Iron Man, you see it like he's like battling it about like death and all that stuff but with batman when you read those books like he's like his soul is crushed he's, his soul's already crushed because his parents died in front of him and then you have the joker right. like his mind is completely screwed and you just you see him it. like he yeah it's just a like him like when you read it you just you feel the fear and the darkness and then that he's battling into with himself and they won't right. do it. He's smart as hell too and that's another thing they wouldn't show like he, you saw the one, uh, the one when he found like he found ways to, to neutralize every Justice League member, and then Randall Savage yes. spoke, and he found like that that plan, like that's crazy. Like while I read, while I was reading that, and I'm watching that, I was just like, yeah, this is Batman, <laughs> right? Because he's he's always ten steps ahead, and he knows how to take all those guys out. He's like, listen, I'm walking away because I think you guys are gonna fuck everything up. And I got ways to stop you if you do. So I'm walking away now, but just know that if you guys fuck up, I, I know how I'm gonna stop you. He was like, "You're right." He's like ten steps ahead of everybody. It's like, it's like he may not be like 
the strongest or has no powers. He has the best gadgets, dude, and he's smarter than any fucking superhero. Bro, the the one you know that one suit he made just to face a uh, dark side, man, that shit was crazy. <laughs> he has that one suit. He has a suit for every like, like he has a Superman to fight Superman, and he built like the that dark side suit. I forgot what it's called. It's like Hell Hell Wing or something like that. He brought that out right. against the Owls when the Court Owls the Owls came in the in the oh, Bat Cave. He brought that out and started like fighting everybody. But when he did that and like. The only person it seems like that understood like their, his reasons of getting all those uh, plans were like Hal Jordan and then Superman didn't want to say it out loud, but I think he understood. And Wonder Woman was like, "When you do something about it, like you can't do that." And he's like, "If you don't, if you don't see like the the bad side about like you guys not being checked, then I don't belong here." And he just left. And he kept the he let them like keep the kryptonite too. And Superman gave them to him. And he's like, "I keep in ch- touch with you and all that stuff." Like that's the bad. Right. Man. Right, because Superman knew that, you know, he's kind of right. You yeah. know, we're sitting there, we're all these, we're all these metahumans. We're going around. If we wanted to, we can fucking take over the Earth. You know what I'm saying? Like, like me and Joe were talking about that one, that one Bright Burn movie that's coming out right now. Like, what would happen if Superman was a bad guy? Saying if he had ill intentions. But, but yeah. So uh, I'm with you on that yeah. one, man. They could do the Injustice storyline if they want something different, too. Superman goes rogue. That's another, like, storyline. Like, I know it's a game. Like, you can read comics and all that stuff. That's, that was crazy, too, because like, literally Joker got bored of Batman. And this is why I say Batman over Superman. So he got bored of Batman because he was, like, losing all the time. And he goes mess with Superman one time, and he just completely, because of him, the world changed. Like, everything of the landscape just changed. So, like, Joker, like, took the fear gas of uh, Scarecrow and then mixed it with a uh, kryptonite Superman's mind and make a fear. And then he was fearful that Doomsday was going to come back. And when he looked at Lois Lane, it, it, look, it made it look like uh, Doomsday. So he was, like, being Lois and killed Lois. And Lois was pregnant, and then Superman goes and kills Joker, and then Superman becomes, like, a regime. Like, he just dictated the whole world. And then Wonder Woman, and there's a like a big villain, like to me, like, oh, I couldn't stand her. And Batman was always, again, a step ahead. Like, how, and people was like, how could Superman, like Batman keep, he's just a human because he's smart. He has the technology. Like he's, he's crazy. <laughs> yeah. They just don't embody it anymore. I want to see the quarter hour storyline because they could bring Nightwing into that one. So that's why I wanted that. We got to talk about John Beeline and everything else NBA. Um, on our next episode, we're going to do just a whole episode dedicated to a deep dive on Endgame and everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, Farbar, uh, why don't you take a little bit of time, just tell everybody about your website, kind of like we've been doing on here every now and then. Uh, so my website is far-ebar.com. So I just chuckled a little bit, but... Uh, what I do, I make clothes, I, I do tie-dyes, I cut and sew, and I screen print. So a couple of days ago, I went to actually a, a pop-up kind of. I did a live screen printing, and I'm having another one on June 22nd in Santa Ana, California. So that will be fun. But um, I think around July or end of June, around that time, I'm going to have another drop, which is going to be 
I'm gonna try to make a suede bag and then some shirts. So just follow my Instagram at f a r e b a r underscore c o for for future updates. Yeah, check out the website. Be sure to buy something while you're there, and um. We'll be back on Beers for Radio. We'll have Farbar with us, like I said. Um, what you just heard is going to be a whole episode. We're going to be going deep, deep into uh, Endgame and everything else Marvel. So thanks for listening to Beers for Radio. And again, be sure to check out far-ebar.com.